What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome, Watch Pod Squad, to a very special episode of Who Pods the Watchmen, an HBO companion podcast for the upcoming Watchmen series, uh, which debuts October 20th. Um, yeah, yeah. Are, are you excited? Do you have HBO? I do have HBO. Okay, because otherwise I was going to make sure you probably go to your house HBO. or something. Yeah, 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 I have HBO. I do pay for that. We can have little watch parties or something. Yeah, when you're in your 30s, you know, I still use my dad's Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amazon just kind of happens because, you know, you want Amazon Prime. You know, I, I read a lot. I buy a lot of books. So I get that by default. But HBO I actually pay for. You know you have a problem when you pay for stars. <laughs> you don't have not, a problem when you pay for HBO. Not so down on stars. Or you're very down on stars. Eh, yeah, no, HBO I do. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and it's funny because, as you know, I generally don't read or watch previews or trailers. And I see that when we watch movies, they actually show it more and more. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of, you know, divert my eyes. But uh, we're, I think we're talking about the trailers today. So I've actually watched them. I've broken a cardinal rule. I'm very impressed. Or, and commit, or committed a cardinal sin. I'm, I'm very – I was going to say proud, but uh, maybe not proud. I'm appreciative. I'm very appreciative that you've broken a cardinal rule for the sake of this podcast, for the sake of, of discussion. So it's, it's not just me talking at you about what has recently happened in a trailer. It's us having – the Talk at me, baby. Yeah, yeah. Talk at me. Uh, folks, like I said, we are a Watchmen Companion podcast. And as such, we've been trying to be uh, a bit reverent to the original tome. Issue by issue, we've been journeying through the original 12-part series of Watchmen and reviewing all of those. If you are recently joining us, I encourage you to go back and check us out from the very beginning. Uh, it actually started with me and... Uh, my former co-host, Mike Moody, who were, were going through this journey. But then um, Mike had to step away from the podcast. And thankfully, Clay, you joined in. It's been very fun talking with you about all of this. Yeah, it's been great. I live in the neighborhood, so it's easy. And I think that I just want to let You're not a know. product of convenience. Right. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, I want to say that I think that we are recording this between issues 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we are. Um, I still – I've read 10, but I haven't read 11 and 12. So – Watching the trailer, not knowing how this one ends, is was pretty interesting and kind of scary for me. But I took the plunge, and uh, I'm glad I did. And I'm excited to talk about the show. And I'm actually kind of invigorated. Like, okay, has there been anything good? I think people who listened to the last podcast heard me talk about Mortal Engines. So I, <laughs> I, I truly hope that uh, – which I still haven't gotten through. I truly hope that um, the new Watchmen show will relieve my – not boredom really, but I need something new. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can't watch any more Outlander for crying out loud. Diana likes that, but Jesus Christ, you know, I mean, there's a lot of sex scenes, but they're not good sex scenes. You you need to you need to scratch your 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 geek boner. Yeah, uh, I, as it were. I, I need a I need to polish the geek boner. <laughs> yeah, it's a saying, folks. Is is it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go ahead and dive into that in a minute. Uh, did I introduce us? Hey, I'm Grant. I'm Clay. And yeah, we're gonna be discussing. Uh, the upcoming tra- – the, the brand new trailer that just released, I guess the new official trailer, they released one initially at Comic-Con, the Comic-Con Watchmen trailer. But a, a new one has a few additional details that have been um, added to what they're 
tantalizing us with for what's going to happen in the show. So do you actually know uh, Tantalus? Do you know where that comes from? No. Well, I just, I, I just fucking ruined it. So the word tantalizing. Mm-hmm. Does it come from tantalus by chance? Do you mind if I do you mind if I share? Please. I'll, I'll try to do it in 30 seconds. I think our listeners are familiar with my tangents, which <laughs> <laughs> I will just say that I believe Tantalus was uh, – obviously he was a god. Okay. Yeah. And he shared things with mortals that he should not have. He was a Greek Roman god, whatever. I don't oh. know what it was. I know that Hephaestus did like fire and stuff and then, you know, whatever. So I don't know what hmm, I actually don't know what Tantalus did, but his his punishment from Zeus was they put him in kind of a pond, like a small like grotto, right? And every time he was hungry, there was a tree over him with branches over him, and he would reach up to get the fruit, and then the fruit would go right out of reach. And then every time he was thirsty, he would bend down to scoop up water from, you know, where he was standing and the water would recede into the pebbles. And so then it was dry. And so constantly for eternity, he would go down for water and he would go up for food. So it was tantalizing. It was something he desired desperately or desperately desired, but it was always out of reach. So that's where we get tantalizing. Just, I don't know. Did you know that? Uh, that, that sounds like modern day blue balls. Which is what Dr. Manhattan has. <laughs> My, just by default. Yeah, yeah. E- even if he is a cell – and I think we can say that – You almost get that thing, but, but you don't fully achieve it. Let's, let's talk about this. We know that he did the threesome with Lori. Yeah. But he was actually also doing his, his science experiments, okay, yeah. at the same time. Does he actually need – like does he have that – because we, I think we, we visited the fact that in issue nine, we, we feel that he still is a human or at least tied to humanity in some way. Does he have these primal urges? I don't mean these urges aren't primal. Like, you know, but. Uh, I, mean, I mean he has, he has a certain degree of an urge for um, – Threesomes? Emotional intimacy it seems. Right. Sure. Uh, even as he kind of de- denies a certain degree of his humanity, he tries to play it off like, ah, I don't really care about people. He he needs that that closeness. And if that comes in the form of, of sexually gratifying Laurie in order to kind of feel that degree of closeness to her, I, I feel there's still something human in that even if – Do you think Maybe you're right that he can like partition off his brain and he's, he's not fully – um, coming to uh, coming s- coming to full <laughs> satisfaction um, with with all of his being. Oh Jesus Christ! I mean, I love how you just made word salad out of that. I, I want to ask you this: I didn't know how to say it. when he is on top of Lori, is he cold or is he warm? We don't know his temperature. Ew! I, yeah, I, I imagine he's like this kind of like creepy radiating heat. Yeah, like I think a so too. Of heat. I, I think he is kind of this vibratory. Have you ever had like Szechuan peppers? The yes. Little, the little lip buzzers. I think he could be a lip buzzer. Which whoa, that could actually feel pretty good. <sighs> yeah, you know. Whoa. Okay. Anyway, that's not what we got on on the pod to talk about. I'm sorry. We no. are here to talk about the trailer. Let's move on. Escape hatch, um, folks. If you follow, if if you like this podcast and you want to follow us on other social media platforms, we are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And if you guys follow us on Instagram, occasionally I'll put up a little question post for you guys in the story mode, and you guys can ask us questions for the podcast. And we, we got some. Do people, we have so we have pending questions. We have some pending questions. Oh, you want to answer yeah. these? I love I love questions. Yeah. yeah, let's let's get to it. So that's um, will you Instagram read? and then go who pods a watchman. Yeah, will you – I'm sorry to interrupt that. Obviously, it's Instagram.com. Is it backslash or forward slash? I don't know how it's it works. Use the app Use on the your sli- phone. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't have I don't have social media. <laughs> I just use the the slashes. Uh, if you want to contact Clay, don't. <laughs> please read the names because my favorite part of this is when you read the actual usernames. All right. Uh, our first question comes to us from alex.gavel.comic.art. Oh, nice. You like that one? Yeah. Uh, Rorschach or Night Owl? Which team are you on? What do you say? Christ on a bike. I mean, I've read ahead an issue and I'm, I'm on issue 10 now. And can we say that they're on the same team in a way? Um, they, they are on the same team. But in a way, I mean, I, I'd still pick the, the virtuousness of Night Owl. To the tenacity of, of Rorschach. If you're going to date a girl and you go over to her parents and it's, it's 1940s, 1950s and you're courting her mm-hmm. and you go sit in the parlor and you have a talk while she's getting ready, okay? This is a Tolstoy novel. So you're sitting there speaking with her parents in the sitting room while you're waiting for her to come down the stairs and introduce herself to society. And they ask you this question. You better believe you're saying night owl. <laughs> I mean if you said Rorschach, date is off. Right? Or, the, or, or or at minimum, they're getting a prenup as soon as possible. 1940s? Some of his his ideals might resonate with certain people in the 1940s. I well, don't okay, know. you're right about that. You're, no, you're totally right. But the – no, actually – well, good point. Um, I would just say obviously Night Owl is a safe choice. That's a choice you made. I'm not judging you on it. I would actually say Rorschach. I think – and I love Night Owl. I think in the last issue – or in the last podcast we did, I think he kind of featured pretty heavily in my top eights. Yeah. But uh, I think he's awesome. But man, Rorschach just kind of is the – he has a motor. He has a motor that keeps this thing moving. So yeah, OK, Rorschach. Uh, Mike Moody, ATX. Oh. We know Mike Moody. Insider. He says, is Rorschach smoke monster? Obviously lost. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I, I feel like Mike is just kind of – knowing Mike, I think he's just kind of messing with us yeah. <laughs> with a ridiculous question. Is, is Rorschach the, what, the polar bear? But yeah, if if I do want to try to um, extrapolate on this and, deep and dive. yeah, do a do an unnecessary deep dive, if we consider this idea that there's this machine that in a way is the protector of the island or the protector of of the soul of what the island is, and if we we move this to the world of Watchmen and who is the protector of, of the tr- true soul, the, the core identity of what is Earth, what is humanity. Maybe in a way, Rorschach, Rorschach is that, that ugly protector. He's brutal. He's vicious. He, he can operate based on an intangible code that only he seems to understand and that to some of us isn't as relatable. Question, query. What is the electric fence that repels him? And I have the answer because I've read ahead to 10. I feel like I'm finally ahead of people. Um, wow. That's a good question. Jesus. I'm really getting there. Uh, is it, is it a, uh, a mere reflection of his true identity? It's a little boy that doesn't want to be – that doesn't want to see his mother in a negative light. <sighs> really moving moment in ten, and I can't wait to talk about talk talk to you about that next. Yeah, week. I, haven't, I haven't read up to ten yet. Oh, Christ on a bike! It's really beautiful. And uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, our next question comes to us from Nick TP three one three, who says Nick Toilet Paper Detroit. Is that what that is? Three one three. It wasn't an eight mile. He's like three one three. You know me. No, what's three one three? 
like via 313, our pizza place that's from yeah, Detroit exactly. here? Yeah, exactly. Right. So Nick Toilet Paper Detroit. Jesus, Nick. I, I wouldn't say toilet paper, though. <laughs> TP? Yeah, I, maybe it's a different TP. Uh, Nick the Pines. He lives amongst the pine trees in there Detroit. There you go. Okay, That's go a little ahead, bit more romanticized. Uh, what do you guys think the purpose of Night Owl is within the story? Like wow. w- within within Watchmen, what is Night Owl representing? Uh, was that? Do you want me to answer? Uh, I, I mean, like, what I, do you I don't think? know if you're setting yourself up. So, for me, it's the guy who kind of not lost his faith, but lost himself. And has everything he could ever want. He's pretty wealthy. I mean, he's actually very wealthy, living in Manhattan, has all the sweet real estate, and doesn't feel energized. Can't get it up with the woman of his dreams, and he just and he needs to recapture that. And uh, it's kind of a journey, you know. Through obviously, we're a little older. It's like seeing adulthood and seeing this stuff. And and he's somebody who looks that in the face and then finds out what he needs and does it. And I, I love it. I think it's really good. I think we talked about our, our you know, death of a salesman in the last one. Kind of like that, you know? Right. I mean, I mean, to a certain extent, I think he, he represents a, a degree of the moral center of the story. He is um, a little bit of an everyman, but at the same time, not an everyman. He's a bit more of a, a Batman analog, right? In a way that he's like, he's this extremely wealthy person who was just able to pour that wealth into tinkering on a a childhood dream pet project of being a superhero. Yeah, but and, and he's relatable like obviously what's his name Velt or Vilt or whatever? Vate. Vate. Okay, so Vate is obviously wealthy and you can't relate to it. Vate's like Saudi Arabia kingdom wealthy. Right. And and uh and what's his name? Dan 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 yeah. Dryberg. And so Dan is kind of like wealthy where it's like people voted for Bush in the 2000s because they thought they could get a beer with him. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, he can really, oh, he'd be cool to get a chicken fried steak and a beer. It's like, well, you know. But he's, yeah, but he's but one of us. He still seems like he kind of lives in a regular apartment. You know, he doesn't really show his wealth and he's just kind of a normal dude. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I love him. Wow. Uh, Sam underscore otaku underscore art says. Wait, is- otaku? Otaku. Oh, otaku. Okay, sorry. I thought you said taco. Uh, is the upcoming series connected to the movie? And yes, um, it is. Well, and I think it's connected actually in the best way. It's connected to the comic more directly than the movie. I think my understanding is that it exists in the world of what the comic established. Uh, Clay, oh, did, you might did the movie establish something different? Yeah, it's, uh, you you might not be familiar with this. Uh, the movie takes a deviation in a couple of. Um, Pretty profound ways, especially from the very from the finale of the comic. Okay, the movie. So I don't. Please don't spoil that. I won't. But I'll, I'll just say it, it has a little bit of a different um, final climax, right? And okay. um, th- there's blue balls involved. <laughs> so, but no, okay, no, no. So I'm interested. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, is the movie connected to, the, uh, or is the series connected to the movie? Um, in so much as I would say 90% of what happens in the movie is is similar enough to what's going on in the comic that, yeah, they're, they're a similar world. But what's going on is this takes place 30 years in the future from the events that happened in the comic. I'm so excited about that. I know obviously we're talking about that in this episode and I don't want to just jump ahead, but I, I can't wait to talk about that. That's cool. Right. Um, okay, let's hit our next one. Walmart says, if you could meet one of the characters from Watchmen in real life, who would it be? Silk Spectre. <laughs> I'm you, kidding. You going to try and make a move there? Yeah. No. Uh, obviously, you know, you know my answer. 
or the listener, the pod squad does. Yeah. Sugar cubes. Sugar cubes. The green sugar cubes. You need the sugar cubes. I absolutely cubes. love the sugar cubes. Um, man, I, I don't know. Actually, yeah. Who, who, what's your answer? I would. I mean, I think it would be fascinating and maybe a little bit heartbreaking to meet Doctor Manhattan. It oh. Would, but man, it's like everyone else is just like you're a person, right? He exists as this complete anomaly that if you had the opportunity to meet this hermit recluse god man, wouldn't that be the person you want to meet? I know that everything he says is going to be like fucked up and depressing and I might come away from the experience not feeling great about myself. But at the same time, I don't know if I could pass that up. Yeah, I mean who – He's the one that we know has superpowers and he's a crazy figure. So, of course, you'd be like, yeah, I want to look into the eyes of God. Uh, I would probably meet Vate's um, weird cat panther thing. Bubastis. I'd, I'd like to meet Bubastis. I'm, you know I'm an animal lover. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, Two Brothers 1979 says, to what degree do you think Mime and Marionette are going to be involved in the HBO series? Um, Mime and Marionette are characters that are featured in some of the – um, n- later, like spinoff uh, comic book series, uh, uh, the what was it Doomsday Af- after Watchmen comic book series, and yeah, they're going to be featured in this. In fact, Tom Meissen, who played um, Ichabod Crane in the Sleepy Hollow TV series, he's going to be mime in this, and I'm very fascinated to see what he does with that character. Uh, Clary Die. Clary D, uh, I, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, uh, asks, what is your favorite Watchmen character? So, yeah, who's your favorite Watchmen character? I mean, it's it's a bit tough. That's I, tough. I mean, for me, I, I like I like Dan just because I relate to him and I think he's had some beautiful moments. I guess I'd say him. Yeah. But Rorschach also, like I said, he's the motor. He keeps it moving. Um, he's running the fast break. So I don't know, you know. In a way, I, I think from a narrative standpoint, I think that Rorschach is the most fascinating character. Yeah, he he's he's driving the story forward and he has clear purpose. He's a very complex and conflicted character. And I think that has all the makings of a fascinating character. So, yeah, I guess he'd be my favorite, although that does not also mean that I I like him or I think he's a good person or I want a poster of him on my wall. <laughs> it's, well, you mean another one because I, I know you have one on your ceiling. So when you wake up, you see him. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, that's the dungeon. Yeah, that's the dungeon. Um, let's see. Uh, Judy G123 says – is there life on Mars? Are we – oh, wait, I'm sorry. Are we talking about in the comic book or are we talking about in real life? Answer that how you wish. That is the question that's been posed well, to us. You are the alien aficionado. Um, you like the greys. I think they're called. Girl, here's the thing. We have already um, found evidence that there is likely water. I actually think – There's water they, on did, the surface. Didn't, didn't they on, find on – Not on in, surface. In the, the meteor that fell or whatever, didn't they find like bacteria or something? They did find so bacteria. So say there's life on Mars? But that was on uh, that was on the meteor. Was oh, that the on the shit, surface? That's right. Fuck. Potato, potato. Um, so yeah, it's like kind of technically alien. And also if – let's say an alien has visited Mars for five minutes to refuel or take a nap. 
Mm-hmm. Does that mean there has been life on Mars? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a different question than saying, oh, this, this society evolved. Somebody stops at a pit stop to go to the bathroom and throw out their Slurpee. Does that mean life has been on Mars? Answer is obviously yes. So I'm going to say why not? Yeah. Curiosity is there. If, if robots aren't in some way controlled by living be- beings and therefore a proxy for life, aren't they? Isn't that life on Mars? That's an absolute stretch. <laughs> but I will say yes because – Throw out my back with that stretch. <laughs> yeah. It's Saturday night. Let's have some fancy. Let's have some folly. Uh, all right. Our, our last question comes to us from Swole Sauce Incorporated. He's back. Swole Sauce. God, thank you. I missed you. Says, do you think there will – ever be another movie adaptation of The Watchmen? Gracias. Well, Swole Sauce has hidden all my notes. A, he's hidden Gracias, Mm -hmm. which I love because, you know, I was in Mexico and I'm looking to go back. Uh, We're in Texas. We're in Tejas, uh, which obviously was part of Mexico for a while. And he's hitting Swole Sauce, so I'm thinking maybe he could be a good gym buddy. (laughs) So he's hitting three of my notes. Um, Do I think there could be another movie adaptation? I mean, I didn't see the first one. I heard it was garbage. I think I tried to watch it on a plane a few times. I, after seeing the preview, I really like what Lindelof's doing. So I'm kind of like, I guess you could do something cool. But I think it just kind of seems more TV. Like TV works better than movies. Right. I, at a certain point, I would have said, yes, there's, there's definitely – there's no way that they're not going to continue this this franchise and reboot it, remake it in the years to come. But given that they've transitioned to TV, I'm not sure that they need to anymore. Uh, like there was disappointment in how they adapted it for the movie by some of the audience, which is which always makes it kind of ripe for doing a reboot. But then again, they're they're redoing Face Off, and everyone loves Face Off. Wait, 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 wait. Why, wait, why wait, would wait. they redo Face Off? Excuse me. They're redoing Face Off. You're absolutely kidding me. Who would you cast if you got to remake an updated contemporary version of Face Off? Who were the guys? Who was the dude that was in Magic Mike? Channing Tatum. And who was Jonah Hill? Yes, (laughs) you want Twenty One Jump Street? You got it. I do, and I want the sequel. That was those were great. (laughs) Like, listen, I watched those in a dark time of my life. I watched those in 2017, but those were good movies. I don't know if they'd be better movies now that I'm in a better place in my life. Uh, toy, the me, the first me. one is awesome. Okay. Have you seen the second one? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, did you like Baywatch? Yeah. Okay. Baywatch was great too. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't know if good. I'm the best person to answer this, but yeah, I would say Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys all for your questions over on Instagram. Or and maybe Ray Liotta and Morgan Freeman. Weird. A little Field of Dreams throwback. Okay. What if they did switch places? No, wait. Morgan Freeman wasn't in that. What was the other dude? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, this is. I don't like that question. <laughs> Can I just say I don't like the question? <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, kind of now. I'm kidding. Oh, wait. Excuse me for thinking a really cool black dude with a gravelly voice. I'm sorry that I got the biggest two of them confused. But yeah, exactly. Hey. Jesus. Let's go ahead and move on to discussing the trailer now, folks. Which one? Okay, we're going to discuss the most recent one that came out. I feel like it includes a lot of the same beats as the first one, maybe lacking some of the uh, really good musical cues. You saw the Comic-Con one, 
and then you also watched this most recent one. But mainly we're going to discuss this most recent trailer. Um, and before we get into that, I do want to point out that, listeners, Clay does not watch trailers for most movies and TV shows. He doesn't like them. The word most is an understatement. I'm 36 years old. I have watched like three trailers in my life. Have you ever seen the trailer for Miracle? The ice skating movie? The wait, that movie that I think we saw the together. The Disney ice skating yeah, movie? Yeah, the, the, the name on the back of the jersey is more important than the one on the front. It is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. I haven't seen life. that trailer, but I thought you were going to say Mystery Alaska, which, wow. Have you seen that? <laughs> I was not going to reference that one, but also a good hockey movie. I made Diana watch that, and she was like, yeah, underrated. <laughs> Which anytime you say, anytime you tell somebody this movie is so underrated, you got to watch this, and at the end they go, "Yeah, underrated." You're like, oh, "Okay, I don't know if it succeeded with you." <laughs> I set the bar so low. It's like, yeah, I, I did pee in the toilet without hitting the seat too much. <laughs> good, yeah, underrated. Yeah, good job. Uh, no, I haven't seen that, but yeah, I don't watch trailers. I don't like trailers. I like to. I, in fact, whenever I go on vacation, I like Lonely Planet guides because I don't even like to see because they, they don't use a lot of photos. I don't even – like if a village says it's a colonial village and it's a mountain town and there's mist on the mountains, I don't want to even see what that looks like until I'm there. I like to live in the moment and I try – that's why I don't have social media or anything. So yeah, I broke a rule. I watched the trailers um, this evening. And, right, are and you I, mad at me for it? I was mad at you whenever I started, when I pressed – when I clicked play on YouTube. Yeah. Because I thought, why do I got to do this? This sucks. It's going to ruin it for me. And also I thought I haven't uh, read the end of The Watchmen. I didn't want to have a spoiler. But I would not whoa, have told you I'm actually, if I thought there was a spoiler there. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I'm actually I'm actually stoked. It was hella cool. It was really cool. It was really fun. So very Good. excited. Okay, because th- that was kind of the next thing I wanted to ask you. Like, um, you have not can you have not finished the original comic, so you don't know where that ends. You don't know you haven't seen the movie, you don't know the finality of the original series, which takes place in nineteen eighty five. And this takes place in 2019, presumably, um, modern day, and modern so, day Tulsa. But it's still like existing in the same world as the Watchmen existed. So there was a Doctor Manhattan. There was a Rorschach. There, there were all these characters that existed in that time period of that comic. And how does that shape the present day events? What characters are still around? What characters aren't? What do we know? I'm I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled in so many aspects. Um, a, I think it's so incredible that it's not a remake. I think we had a listener question uh, a few weeks ago, and they said, "Do you think he's going to be able to kind of have his own creative balance while still um, paying homage to the original book?" And fuck yeah, because he can look at that and then do his own thing completely. I look at this now, and I love Lindelof, as you know, and I know you love him too. I mean, Jesus, and I look at this as like a second part of the canon which normally you don't give that much credence to somebody or you don't give that much respect to uh, kind of a sequel, but I'm – or especially a sequel. Like if you look at Dune, whenever Frank Miller's son – or what's his name? Frank uh, Herbert? Frank, Frank Her- Herbert? Herbert? Oh, yeah. I didn't – You look Dune. at his son's stuff, you're like, oh, God. I mean, at least me. But this, I'm like, whoa. This could actually be considered canonical. Is that a word? Yeah, canonical. So super sweet. I'm excited. Can I just keep going here? Sorry. Please. The fact that it's in Tulsa. My God. Is it in Tulsa? Mm-hmm. Okay. Something that's not in L.A. or New York. I fucking love it. 
I love stuff that's not – I love stuff that's in the middle of the country where there's space to breathe and space to create and we're not just slapped in the face with – Oh, cute Manhattan. Oh, cute. We're in like we see the Flatiron Building. Oh, cute. You know, I mean, I don't care. That has its place, but in a book like or in a show like this with Lindelof creating, whoa! And we saw what Lindelof did for crying out loud. He did like upstate New York in Leftovers. Uh He then goes to Lockhart, Texas, right, and then he goes to fucking Melbourne, and he just does this stuff with these really cool locations. And I'm so stoked to see like what Tulsa looks like. You know, and what he's doing there, and there's room to create, and the fact that we're not going to get distracted by, well, I mean, I'm not, hey, people in Tulsa, I'm sure it's a lovely place, but we're not going to get like, blow, we don't know that as, as a national audience. We don't know Tulsa as well as New York, so it's not going to distract from what's going on with the characters. Exactly. I, I, I'm so excited. Um, both previews really blew me away. I loved everything. I even loved the quirky big yellow lettering that was kind of set against, that was, you know, set against the, um, backdrop or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was so cool. I loved um, – what's her name? Jean Smart. I know I'm just going – I'm sorry. I'm just going here. Please. I mean she's – I mean she was part of Hey Arnold, Frasier, and Designing Women. My god. Three of like my fa- – I mean literally when I'm thinking about my childhood, I'm like, OK. My mom used to watch Designing Women. I would too. We're like watching it with her. Hey Arnold. I have a sister who's 10 years younger. So growing up, I watched a lot of a lot more like Nickelodeon cartoons. You right. know, when I was 16, my sister was six. So I watched all those. And then I think I don't know if people know this, but Frasier's like a top three show of all time, and that includes um, rom or sitcoms. Everything. You fucking love Frasier. I really do. I actually own it all on DVD. I own all the I own all the Frasiers. I love Frasier. So um, Gene Smart's cool, and also I mean I'm an idiot with names, as you know. People listening know that I'm bad with names. I literally can't remember if it's Dan or Don all the time. I'm just an idiot. But somebody said Lori Blake. Ah, and I thought interesting because what's his name? Last name is Blake, but she was Giuseppic for a while. Uh huh. That's obviously the Silk Spectre, and now and age wise, time wise, it works. There's so, no confirmation of this, but it seems like that might be the case. Give me a break, right? It totally is. Do you feel that that in some way spoils your reading of the original? Nah. Okay. Don't care. I, I knew we wasn't going to end with a nuclear explosion that kills all of humanity. You know, come on. Um, I'm excited. It just looks cool. It looks fun. It looks like he's going to have a lot of, of new elements that he's not really tied down by the show, but rather the show is – I'm sorry, by the show, by the book, mm-hmm. the graphic novel. But rather the graphic novel is a sweet jumping off point to see what's up you know, and to create his own thing. So I think it's a perfect blend. I mean I really – I wasn't really that excited about the show, honestly. I kind of just wanted to chat about the comic book with you to revisit something I thought maybe I read or didn't, just kind of to revisit a classic. Right. But now I'm actually like, whoa, I can see an avenue forward with this because it looks like a lot of fun. Well, I know already that you you were a pretty big fan of Lost. You enjoyed it. But you are in love with how great The Leftovers is. Absolutely. Like that one is just this, this beautiful journey, right? Wow. Yeah. And – and so I feel like my obsession with the mythological world building that goes on with when he does something like Lost mixed with um, the just emotional gravitas of, kind of the emotional uh, building that appeals to you for yeah. like um, for what he does with something like Leftovers. I feel like the fusion is going on here in what he's able to do in advancing and and building something new within the world that Watchmen existed in. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we are presented with a very fucking weird and and fascinating and scary and exhilarating world that now exists in in this alternate timeline here. And you say a scary world. I mean, I think a lot of it resonates with the current, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like looking at maybe police brutality, not being able to trust power structures, uh, who's acting on our best interest, extra – would you say that's like kind of daredevil, extrajudicial force, if I can say that word right now after mm-hmm. a couple a couple drinks, extrajudicial force? Um, nailed it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think all this stuff resonates, and it's pretty. Can, can I ask, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. Do you think, like watching the previews, because I, I want obviously, you know, H, like if when it comes on each week, I'm going to watch it with Diana. I'm kind of like, shit. Does she need to read the comic now? Do you think it's cool as a standalone? Because I saw so just because we're reading the comics now and we're kind of deep diving, I saw so much cool stuff, and I was like, boom, zing, 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 zam, zam, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that? She or anybody else should read those because I'm kind of like I got to make her read this now. I think it's beneficial because I, I I mean as we've been going back through this comic, I think we've both been coming to really appreciate how intricately woven the whole story is, how how thoughtful and considered it is, and um how it it approaches storytelling from multiple angles to just really build something robust and profound. And yeah, I definitely think that it's of value, but do I think it's necessary? No. Really? Um, Can I just say the one thing? Yeah. If people think that they're going to watch a super, okay. If people are going to watch game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. they know they're going to watch a fantasy thing. They know there's dragons. Maybe they know there's going to be some superhero bullshit or not superhero, more like supernatural bullshit fantasy stuff. If people look at this and they say, oh, it's a superhero comic book, it's based on that, they're going to come into it thinking it's the bullshit MCU stuff that we see where all, everything's hitting you in the face. This could be severely disappointing unless they see the comics and realize, ah, there's more stuff going. See, that's that's the other aspect of this. So when Lindelof, when Lindelof said he was going to take on this, this project, he wrote this kind of love letter to Alan Moore, which I'm sure Alan Moore didn't read. Or if he did, he doesn't give a fuck. Read it through right? his beard. Because Alan Moore is notorious for um, hating all adaptations of all of his projects. He gets fucking angry. He's like, don't take my work that I made here and try and make it into a fucking movie. You guys are going to ruin it. Everything you do, you always make it worse. Don't do it. And so he wrote this this letter to Alan Moore and said, look, I I respect you. I love what you do. I recognize how you don't want someone like me to touch these projects because you think I'm just going to uh, spin it into shit and you've been burned so many other times. You you hate this and I want you to know I recognize that. But at the same time, this offer has come into my lap. I love the thing you do. I I feel that I understand it in a way that I hope I'm going to be able to pay proper respect and tribute to what you've done while building something new. I don't want to retread on the ground you've already walked, but I want to live in that same world and I want to tell a new story that adds to it. And I think it was like really beautifully written. What oh, did, did you actually read it or did yeah. you just hear about it? No, no, no. He, he posted it up on, on Instagram for everyone to read. And I, I, yeah, you should totally read Alan it. Alan Moore did or Lindelof? Lindelof did. Um, he Dude. wrote like a four or five page letter to him that he posted up for everyone to read. I had a dream a couple years ago. 
where I wanted – I talked to – I forget the writer uh, for The Intuitionist, a great novel that I love, love, love. Mm-hmm. And I was, trying to, I was trying to persuade him to let me do the movie, to do the screenwriting. And I don't know if he ever said yes, but it was – I woke up thinking, I hope I persuaded him. Yeah. Anyway – Interesting. It, it, it's a beautiful thing. But I, I think what's um, what's important to note is that Lindelof said, um, I want to make a show that is accessible to people who have not read the comic. So I don't think it's necessary for them to. But I also want to make it rewarding for people who have read the comic. So he's kind of uh, skirting the line between both of those worlds. And that's tough to do. He's, he's doing brand new storytelling. But at the same time, there's going to be Easter eggs that that you know tell you this is the same world and if you you know it's a wink and a nudge so i would say you know go ahead and read it it's a rewarding book but if if you haven't read it and you just don't really want to you're still going to be able to go and digest this show and enjoy right. it on its own level do you think there's going to be the flashback structure because we see a lot of the flashback structure in the book. He's famous. For, I mean, in Lost, is there mm. anybody who's done that more and or better? I, I don't think so. Do I don't think, think he do is. I, I don't either. I think he's going to avoid either. it specifically because of Lost and because he's he's um, re-entering the same world. But he does have a device for um, kind of analyzing that. I, I don't know if you saw it in either of the previews. But do you see the scene where Hooded Justice busts – like jumps through the window and stops a crime? The very beginning of it, yeah. But that's a TV show right. like recreation that the, people are able to watch. The guy's eating like beans out of the can and his mask is up. Yeah. Yeah. The guy whose name is Looking Glass right. who wears a, a, um, a mask that is a reflection of other people and he's a professional police interrogator. Right. Very fascinating. It's Tim Blake Nelson yeah. uh, playing him. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very intrigued to see that. Uh, Lindelof also said, though, that when he put out these these trailers, he doesn't want it to reveal too much of what the world is. Like he's he's just giving you hints of what this is, but he wants to keep it weird. He wants to keep it like having you second guessing everything that you're seeing. And this is very much in line with the MO of what HBO has been doing lately. HBO is a show that says we're going to give you a fantasy show with dragons and then what happens? You don't see dragons for the whole first season. Did you tell me you watched the whole thing backwards? Yeah, I watched every episode backwards. You watched every episode of Game of Thrones backwards? Okay, so I watched the first season and then I didn't watch it for years and then I remember thinking – I remember those dragon eggs. I wonder if those ever hatched. And so then I watched the most recent episode which was season seven and then I thought – Oh, I want to see what happened right before that. And then I kept doing that for a few weeks and I finished it. But then I watched – what was it? Season 8 was last season? Yeah. So I watched that actually with, with, with you. Yeah. Um, we watched that. Still but so for the weird most to part, watch I, I kind of Doctor Who'd it. I time lorded it backwards. <laughs> That's so um, weird. But yeah. No, I think this is going to be really interesting. And I think that like people watching – OK. If this was a network show, mm. people could get pretty disappointed and lose patience that, that well, this isn't a typical superhero thing. Right. But because it's HBO, they might expect a little bit more or be ready for something more avant-garde. I still don't know if, like, most people are going to like this show. Is this going to be the savior that picks HBO up after Game of Thrones? Jesus, probably not. But what would be? I mean, maybe it's... It's, it's not going to be. Like, but that doesn't mean it's bad. 
who could have necessarily predicted that Game of Thrones, a, a fantasy show that doesn't actually have any fan- fantasy creatures, it's all actually more of a political intrigue show, was going to catch fire in the way that it did? What's going to be the next fantasy series that will destroy our lives and make us care about only that? I can tell you. King Killer Chronicle. Are you fucking kidding me? It's the greatest book of all time. <laughs> but but it's tell me be, I'm wrong. It's going to be on Showtime, so maybe. I don't oh, know. Oh, wait. That's on Showtime? Yeah. Well, Showtime's track record isn't stellar. Do you remember being in high school and watching the Bordello episodes through the – I didn't have Showtime. But sometimes you could see a boob through the static. <laughs> yeah. You didn't know if it was a kneecap or a boob. So anyway. <laughs> so that that's the quality we're looking at um, yeah. with that series. But you know this. You're right. There's going to be a superhero series where we don't necessarily see a whole bunch of superheroes. So kind of that that pledge or that promise or that branding that's going on there might be a little bit misleading because people have the taste of Zack Snyder's film on their palette for what Watchmen means, and they're going to expect superheroes who wear leather costumes and punch their fists through brick walls and shit. I can't say that I expect more from people because Trump's approval rating is still in the 40 percent, which is insane. But I can say that I think people wa- – even that watched the Watchmen movie, I don't think it was mainstream. Like I don't think that was on lunchboxes. It's not like Iron Man or right. Spider-Man. So we're already getting an audience who might be OK with something a little but they, bit more But they French. specifically avoided mark- like mass marketing. It- Right. Okay. For that movie because okay. it, it goes against a little bit of the the concept of of the Watchmen in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh, so do you want to just like briefly like run through the trailer and sure. we can discuss it? Absolutely. Cuz uh, I'll go ahead and start playing it here and we can kind of watch along and listen and if we hit a spot where you want to stop and discuss something just hit, say stop and I'll stop it. Do I have to say stop? Yes. Because otherwise I won't People stop. People wear it. masks. They're driven by trauma. They're obsessed with justice. Regina King's character here. Injustice. Her name suffered. is Sister Knight, I believe. Ergo, the mask. It hides the pain. And there's the Laurie Blake talking myself. to her. Right. From the pain. <laughs> the sweet yellow. There was a cavalry involved shooting last night. So... Gonna I'm gonna pause. Speech now. What's the uh, the new acolytes that are following Rorschach's footsteps are called the Seventh Cavalry, and it seems like it's some alt right white supremacist kind of group that you know wear white masks in 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 a church. It just seems like it has all the kind of uh, set up gimmicks and tropes of like, oh, you guys are kind of renegade outlaws want to enact your own sort of vigilante justice but it 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 all just feels for us in the language of either alt right or just straight up kkk like racism exactly completely and i'm not sure i'm i'm kind of curious if if there's some degree of like a bait and switch there in this world of like our preconceptions based on our world versus theirs, but I don't know. Yeah, anytime, I think these days, anytime you see gun-crazy groups, Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily think they're going to be um, 
liberal arts professors. <laughs> or, <laughs> right, right, you right. You, you, like, like if we see a library benefit or a symphony benefit or you know feed the hungry children, uh-huh. right, like like a like a uh, after school program or school lunch program. Usually not gun-toting groups going to those. <laughs> so I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, who knows, right? And like one's, one person's vigilante is another person's, well, I don't know. Whatever. But what is also fascinating is who their primary target is. Their their hostility is directed at the police department who now exists in this world where they wear masks. And if you recall from the comics, there is the, um, the bill that was passed – which outlawed superheroes was basically right. you can't wear masks right. and and fight crime unless That's, you're working for us unless you're working for us which you know is revisited in Marvel comics with the whole um, Sokovia Accords civil and the war MCU or yeah civil war um, so it, it it's similar themes that they want to kind of tackle and address and that's what I love that um, what did you say her name is um, uh, Sister Knight yeah what's her name though like, Regina King so Regina King. She says that awesome thing in the preview. I forget if it was Comic-Con or this one where she's like, it's black or white. Yeah, yeah. You may think the world is full of like a rainbow of colors. But no, it's actually black and Which white. Which actually reading you know, the book, we know that Rorschach talked about that a lot with his mask and the color stayed black and white. And so she's kind of like – but then again, she's wearing a mask, which is funny, you know. So she's operating in that gray too. So it's really cool how people see themselves and what they're doing and what they're trying to do. I, I love it. it. It's also kind of curious in a way because. She is our main protagonist in here, and I, I think to a certain degree, we want to sympathize and root for our main protagonist in this, and not think that she's coming across as a bit of a uh, a fascist like uh, Rorschach. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, you know, and I think that we're still it's that's yet to be determined. And let me just say this too: I'm so glad now that I've seen the trailer that she's the protagonist. I've always thought, I say always, for the last four years, right, or I guess three years since I came across her in, in The Leftovers, um, who's the person in, uh, in Stranger Life. Things season three that I loved? I talked to you about this last week just at, at your house. Oh, uh, the girl? The girl, yeah. Um, she's that the is famous. Ethan Hawke's daughter, Maya Hawke. Yeah. So I, I, I thought she was by far the best actor in the show. I mean, incredible. Just so natural. I wasn't watching a show. I was just watching like somebody that just had these great facial expressions and kind of quirky little things. She's fantastic. I think that uh, – what's her name? Regina King? Yeah. I think she kind of has a – like she's not that good and that's crazy because Regina King is like an adult and this other person's like right – like a young kid. Regina of. King is amazing. I think she's amazing but I really do. I don't know why but I just think that, that Stranger Things <laughs> You're just so captivated by Maya Hawke's performance. Seriously, there. no. I mean – but I mean she was – that blew me away, you know? And I think that Regina – this actress, actor, whatever, however you say that. Regina King. Yeah, I know. So I'm just bad with names and I'm, gonna, I'm afraid that I'm going to get the name wrong. It's fine. You know. It's fine. So she's kind of in that same vein where she's you, – you're not watching a show. You're just watching somebody talk and right. I love that. So I'm so glad that we get to have like her as our protagonist seeing stuff through her. Anyway, sorry. I love Don Johnson but I can't agree with that kind of assessment of being applied to him. In a way, right? Wait, which one? Who's he? Don Johnson, Nash Bridges himself. Here, he's the the police captain. She's talking oh, to yeah, in this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Let, let, yeah, let's keep Let's going. Calm down, take a breath, or we're Oregon. I just feel like I know you're an actor. He's <laughs> delivering a line. <laughs> Delightful. I love him, but he, he's a little bit more campy. You know why you're here? 
son of a gun. Kicked in my door and put me in the trunk of a fucking car. Who's that guy? That guy? That is correct. Tim Blake Nelson is playing Looking Glass. This character right here? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's like, so um, Regina King is part of the police department in Tulsa. She um, is a cop by day and masquerades as a, a vigilante by night, I, as far as I can tell. Although maybe they're aware that she's also a, um, the vigilante. I think so. I, I, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um how that's going to play out, whether or not it's a secret identity for her or not, and she just got busted right away in this trailer. Um, but the guy who is who does the interrogations is called Looking Glass. He seems like, in a way, he's also um, borrowing off of Rorschach, in that Rorschach was like, look at me, what do you see? And Looking Glass is more, look at me and see yourself in me, in a way. Ooh. In that, like, people are going to see their own reflection in his face. Yeah. And I think there's something kind of fascinating what he's going with there. And he puts them in a kind of a container, like a... Yeah, this, like, egg-shaped uh, RV. That? At first, I thought that it was the owl's ship, but, whoa, we see that a little bit later. Right? We let's see Archie. Let's okay, let's keep going. I want my lawyer. Yeah, we don't have to do that. He's got, like, weird issues, like, images of cowboys and shit. Why would they start this shit up again? Maybe there was something they didn't want found. <gasps> she turns on those goggles. Sweet. Are those Night Owl's goggles? Oh Fuck yeah. Ah, the musical cues. Cavalry has our names and addresses. Just run and scare. Are we safe, Angela? I like these, um... In this trailer in particular, how they juxtapose her walking at daytime and nighttime or, like, different scenes in the exact same spot. And it's, like, these quick cuts of, of motion. It's like Monet's haystacks. Monet? Monet? Mm. Whichever one. Janelle Monet. <laughs> you need to help start the 7th Cavalry. I'm doing what? Those hookers are trying to start a war. Now, there's this Asian actress who's wearing this, like, white... Yeah, what's our deal? Gown, and she has like Spock ears or something going on, or a Spock haircut at least. And I don't know what is going on there. My guess is like she's some sort of like there seems to be some sort of worship of Doctor Manhattan, yeah. like as this like this newfound religion. Well, I don't know if it was Comic Con or this latest one. But they're actually looking at him through a satellite and that he's still on Mars. Right. And they see him like destroying something. I don't know. Unless that was a flashback or some video thing. Really I, cool. Like, it, it, yeah, it's so confusing. And, you know, and we know that Lindelof with, with the leftovers obviously, the – what's it called? Like the drug fire – fire like gun enforcement agency. What's that called? Uh, oh, the FDA? Remember they – not FDA. That's Federal DEA? Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, DEA. Drug Enforcement? Yeah. Maybe. Drug Enforcement They agency. added Colts, remember? Oh, on yeah, the jackets. Yeah. So, I mean, he has experience like with like, you know, dealing with kind of that that idea. Um, there's a lot of fan, like finger-crossing speculation or whatever that they want um, the lead character from The Leftovers to play Dr. Manhattan. Oh, wow. And isn't he super ripped? <laughs> that like, would be cool. Justin Thoreau. You saw yeah. that on MuggleNet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> always checking MuggleNet. 
there's something that happens. Some shit goes down in a, a circus. Yeah, I like it. Maybe that's a flashback. Here we go, Archie. <sighs> well, it looks like we got things under control here. Full costume. <laughs> Where's her cigarette? Jean Smart and her just sassiness of like all of her line delivery. I'm just like, yes. Man, you gotta watch Frasier. She um she's also in uh the new Fargo uh reboot and um Legion, the two shows that popped up oh, on okay. um FX. Legion is in the world of X Men. It's um his son. Yeah, his son. And um, yeah, the Far- Fargo is such another great example of taking a world that's already been established by other people, the Coen brothers in that case, and then building within that world. And it, Noah Hawley is the, the guy who took over both Legion and um, Fargo on FX, does such a brilliant job with both of them. Those are mind-blowingly amazing and I think they are a fantastic template for what I'm hoping Lindelof will achieve in um, delving into this world from an already established, like, Watchmen world. Kind of like a procedural more than substantive question for you. Uh, do we know how many episodes are going to be in this I, first season? Uh, I, d- I don't know offhand. I'm guessing it's 10. I think that's actually listed. I just don't know it offhand. Okay. Um, so I probably should look that up. A, a more professional podcasting approach would be well, for me to pause. Let me ask you this: like, just as a fan, <laughs> we're re, you re, you're you're rereading it. I'm reading it for the first time. How many seasons could you see this going? Like, well, if, if we had to just bet fifty bucks on it, which I don't have that, but um, four or five. I was going to say that. I'd say four was the over under. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, he seemed to be comfortable with three for the leftovers, but I also kind of wonder if the the ratings were not great for the leftovers, and I wonder if that kind of dictated the terms of like, well, we're not getting great ratings, but this is prestige television, and I think we want you to at least be able to round out and finish a story you want to tell. Yeah, Vanity Fair and New York Times are writing about us. Let's keep it going. I don't think this is going to be as heavy as a leftover. It's just because I don't think anything in the history or in the future of the world will be as heavy as the first episode or first season of The Leftovers. Oh, God. It was so dark That's and sad. That's my favorite show of all time, but I've only rewatched that like once and it was tough. I mean the ep- – God. Anyway, no, no, no. There's no point in talking about it, but I don't think this is going to be as heavy. I think this is going to be no. a little bit more action-packed and adventure-driven. Yeah. And you're going to have some of those internecine struggles, like those political struggles in the police department and what's going on. And it will be kind of cool to see who the big fish in the small pond of Tulsa are because once you establish those heavy hitters and those players, it will be cool to see the tension. I, I just really hope that this has the mass general appeal to give this show the longevity I, I want so I get the storytelling that I, I deserve – Frankly, that well, I you fucking work hard. deserve. You work hard, and you need this as a release. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that would be really awful if he's coming back from this. He thought, well, I did lost, you know, at the end of it. And I like, I don't actually care about this dude. Like, I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure he can afford to go have Baja fish tacos in L.A. wherever he lives. I don't care about him. I, I mean, you know what I mean? I do. I care more about some kid who's like not having food at lunch. But like, okay, I don't. So Lind- Fuck yeah, that kid. right? Yeah, yeah. Lindelof. That, that kid hasn't created TV. Was he? No, yeah. but you know. <laughs> Lindelof looks like he's doing well, but you know, lost. Everybody hated him at the end, which was I thought it was actually fine. Sorry, but I thought it was fine. Um, 
The leftovers, people probably thought it was too dark, which it was really grim and awful to wa- tough to watch the first season. And then afterwards, they're like, "Why am I watching this? Who cares?" There's no like um, kind of like fireworks in this. Right. And so this one is actually doing yet again something that's pretty fringe. And who knows what's going to happen? But I definitely love the fact that hey, it's 30 years later. There's so much fodder and food for thought here and stuff to do that. And he can anytime he thinks he's going too far down the road in a kind of a crazy direction. Hey, let's pull in Dr. Manhattan from Mars and he's going to be a blue dude with superpowers and that's going to be some gee whiz kind of cool shit. Hell yeah. So he does have kind of these, you know, when you look at a painter, he has like a big palette of stuff to work with, you know? So right. it's, kind of, it's kind of fun. Yeah. He has yeah. a big sandbox to play in here and I can't wait to watch. And I'm actually – I wasn't actually really that excited about it. And then I saw these and now, hey, maybe I should watch trailers more often. Maybe they serve a purpose now. <laughs> Now I'm like, hey, I can't wait till mid-October. It's going to be cool. Well, I, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that there's a, a vested interest more and more nowadays with trailers to not you know, give away the farm. They, they know, especially with these, these geek project kind of like MCU things, like if we're going to show a trailer, we can't show so much that um, certain big reveals are ruined. You can't. I mean, they they fucked up with Ragnarok and they showed Hulk when they really shouldn't have. That was uh, a that would have been amazing to be like surprised by. If I could go back and unwatch a trailer so I could see a, a movie, what a what a maybe it's a little silly, but I would I would if, not know Hulk. If anybody has sixty to eighty bucks and they want to waste it on something, get the Omnibus Hulk collection. From that, uh, from not, it wasn't World War, War Hulk. Well, no, it's before Hulk. World War Hulk. Yeah, yeah, Planet Hulk. Absolutely incredible. That's still one of my favorite things. I mean, my God, take Hulk and Spartacus and throw them together in a petri dish and see what comes out. That was so fun. I mean, yeah. I still, that, and, and I think that was like 15 years ago, and I still have these great memories. And actually, I bought that omnibus, and it's on my shelf, and I fucking love it. God, it's, that's it's good. awesome. Oh, it's so cool. That'll Hulk. be our next podcast. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, just revisiting that. We're like, yeah, there's actually not a movie coming out for this, but we just really liked it. They, they made one. Well, the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I like that a lot. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that a few times. Yeah. Uh, folks, want to say thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this. Um, you know, this was a, a brief episode. I think we only talked an entire hour on this one. Uh, it's easy to lose track of time because we are uh, just kind of loving this, man. We got some passion for it. And if you guys are enjoying I'm loving it, Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. if you guys want to help support us, you guys can go to patreon.com slash who pods the watchman make a per episode pledge. We appreciate all the donations you guys have been giving to us already. And we want to say that if you guys are, if you guys, if we're going to make a contest out of this, if you guys are the highest pledged donor, by the time we get to our 11th episode, which is just going to be in about two weeks, um, we will invite you on to uh, join us to talk about uh, Watchmen for our final issue. And let's just say that we will Grant will be as liberal as he is with me, with you, for letting you go on crazy tangents. We might have to edit it, but we'll let you chat. We'll let you talk. <laughs> Grant, lets, uh, Grant lets me get away with a lot. So there's a good chance that what you say will be on air. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, go ahead and, and uh, make your patronage pledge there at patreon.com slash who pods the watchman. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back in just a few days to talk about chapter 10 of the original series. 
And we want to thank you guys for listening. Until then, have a great night. <laughs> <laughs>